أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه. Someone is asking, please, can you give me Islamic advice for the parents that have children who hit them and abuse their parents physically and mentally? Does the parent have to endure this? لا إله إلا الله. I think that's very regrettable. It's very, very regrettable situation to have a parent who suffers uh, the physical abuse and mental abuse and emotional abuse and uh, psychological abuse from um, as a result of uh, you know the attitude and the disposition of their children uh, it is one of the worst scenes that can ever be created it is worse because of all the things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala holds us um, um, and uh, re obliges us to, you know, to demonstrate is the obedience to the parents. Uh, for there is no any important obligation in, in life after of the obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than being obedient to our parent. And uh, one of the best way or to articulate this is what uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran that وَخْفِضُ لَهُمَا جَنَاحَ الذُّلِّ Indeed, is lower for them, okay, the wings of humbleness and humility. In other words, humble yourself. Let them feel that you are there down to earth for them. Do not be a source of intimidation. Let your presence send a sign of comfort, happiness, tranquility, serenity, and you know, mutual, emotional you know, stability and comfort. But unfortunately, uh, it, the opposite is what appears to be the norm nowadays. And I think your question has been, can they endure? Allah, he is, subhanAllah, you know, they cannot, but what can they do? Of course, every single parent would know that two wrongs do not make a right. And we see quite very many of them suffering in silence, not because they are willing to do so, but they can see the stupid and they won't make it worse. Because if Wallahi the parent said, he raised his hand to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and made a dua against that child who appears to be abusive, abusive to him. Wallahi, no matter how rich that person, that child would be, it will come back and will haunt him big time. And that's why Rasulullah sallallahu recommend, you know, advise not to hasten in making dua, cursing our children because they have wronged us. We are human beings. And sometimes when you understand how much you have sacrificed for your children, you find it quite very, very difficult. You feel you are, you know, you know, being pushed beyond the limit. And you got to say, you will suffer, you will see as you grow up. And that thing can follow your child. It can stay, it can follow him. And eventually has to be a big price. Now your question is very small, can they endure? I don't want to say they, they can't. No one is ready to endure that that kind of humiliation and insult and physical abuse and denial and the breach of the, of the amana that should be uh, demonstrated and discharged with their parents. Can they endure? Again, I'm going to answer this. They can't, but they should not hasten 
to do the wrong because we know it could be wrong. But as I mentioned, Allah SWT in the Quran, So many about over 20 commandments that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands us to do. And the first at the forefront of this is the obligation to obey Allah and to be dutiful, respectful, obedient, and uh, caring to our parents. Everything. Should anyone of them become of age at a moment when become a little bit irritating and maybe the over demanding? You always happen to be on the opposite side of your understanding. They don't resonate with your generation. At least Allah said, Allah did not say, don't physically hit them, don't shout at them. But he said, and is an Arabic word that expresses a sentiment, resentment within your heart, even if it's expressed by means of a smiling face. And, <laughs> but deep down your heart, why are you to tell me? That alone is not acceptable because Allah will know what lies deep down in your heart, will take it as a negative response to your parents, and is one of the kaba'ir, is one of the sin. So Allah, Allah, let us be mindful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the way we respond to our children. Those children who have done so, been aggressive physically, emotionally, psychologically, Wallahi al-bidar, al-bidar ila tawbah. Please hasten as much as you can to make a tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because Wallahi, if those parents die before they make up, before you make up the bridges with them, Wallahi, it'll be very difficult. And so often whatever you sow, whatever you sow is what you, you, you harvest. If it doesn't happen to you, it will happen to you through your own children or will be you know, rejected and in one way or another. If it doesn't happen here, the punishment is going to be severe on the day of Qiyamah. So inshallah ta'ala, thank you very much my dear uh, you know, caller for raising that question because we know it resonates with all of us. And uh, inshallah ta'ala, I think I could have said more but we have more questions coming in. Assalamu uh, alaikum caller. Wa alaikum salam what's your question? Sheikh, uh, um, I have uh, two questions. Mm. Uh, first question is, I know you just mentioned that hitting is not allowed, but we see um, in the mosques and madrasas, the teachers, they, they often hit the children with a stick. Um, I'm just wondering what the alim and what the sheikhs are doing to educate the our alim how to teach properly, because uh, you're right, in Islam is forbidden for the children to teach. Sorry, can I can I can I just make it clear? You talk about uh, the the teachers are uh, beating children in the masjid. They, they are. They, they, they still hit children in the mosque, you know, mm. uh, because not all, not all mosques, but some mosques they do hit them. Mm. Uh, but they want cameras installed now in some mm. mosques so mm. they can watch them. Mm. Uh, but some mosques, smaller mosques, don't have cameras. Mm. So they can't keep an eye on the um, on the teachers, mm. but uh, that's one solution. Mm. But this still happens. This still happens. Mm. So I'm just wondering what you know what mm. we can do apart mm. from putting cameras in the mm. mosque. Mm. 
Okay, Jazakallah. I think let me just address this question. First of all, subhanAllah, uh, I, didn't know, I did not expect that this kind of behavior still exists. And uh, we know corporal punishment has been a subject of debate. And uh, of course, it's very, very clear uh, that under you know, safeguarding and uh, child protection, these are not acceptable behavior from anyone who puts himself in a position of looking after the vulnerable, whether it is a child in a school, in a madrasa, let alone parents at home, but also in the, in the hospital, let alone being the sunnah of Islam. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, as narrated by Anas radiallahu anhu, said that he spent 12 years the Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's household. Never, never, he, he even doesn't talk about you know, hitting him. But I said, never, 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 never did he ever say to me for something I've done, why did you do this? Or for something I haven't done, why didn't you do this? Zaid bin Harith radiallahu used to be a helper in the south, used to be a slave to Khadija radiallahu anha before the Prophet married Khadija radiallahu anha. After their marriage, after some time, Zaid was, the Prophet suggested we set him to be free. And he said, now you are free, you can go. Zaid said, wallahi, I'm not going to find a suitable accommodation home than this one. He was still a young man. Long before even married, Zainab bint, bint, bint Jash. So we see from the way the Prophet looked after the youngsters in his house. So in Islam, it is not expected, it is wrong. But also in terms of an education, I think it is the worst kind of person you could have, you know, to be the source of facilitator for child is education and learning. So what we say is that it is against in Islamically, but also against the law. But secondly, you raise the point that uh, what can we do? I think uh, the training is the most important thing. And uh, when these things, when you feel, it's not just about whether the way the child is being, sometimes it might not be physical hitting, but even verbal, if just a verbal kind of, you know, uh, you know, tone that is used, the tone that is used when you communicate to the children, the attitude itself. You know, even sometimes silence can be more pernicious than a word said to someone. Child comes to you and talks to you and you ignore him and don't listen to them. They can feel frustrated. So what we need to do, inshallah, and I think one of the characteristics of any successful institution of learning is that it's always open to learning new ways and correcting mistakes because it always works towards providing the best support and education to the children. And education, the most important form of education is the experience a person has with the teacher, not the text, that the, the word that are in the book or in the board, because this can be forgotten, but education as it, as it defined, it is the experience that is left when a child, a person forgets what he was taught. Because you remember the experience. Many companions of the Prophet learned more from how they leave the Prophet more than the words themselves. And that's why for them, they would learn the ayah, they would they relate the way they saw the Prophet behaving himself with them, and then they would be better Muslims. So we say, I think as a parent, as a community member, we have to ask and encourage institutions to always make continued professional development one of the primary goals and targets so that inshallah that every time and again whenever there are mistakes there are going to be challenges because children come to school with the different experiences and many challenges so if the teachers are not well equipped they might be equipped for the children this year but the next year you are going to have different challenges so that has got to be continuous inshallah and if we cannot provide an atmosphere where our children feel happy to come and study from us I think will be missed opportunity because that will, will inshallah, impact negatively on our coming, let alone on the child themselves being lighter. And I really thank you so much for raising such a very important
important question. Yeah, one of the one of the caller was asking that um, why did the Rasul, why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala choose Arabic as a language of communicating and not any other language? Now to that question I've got to say my dear brothers that um, first of all Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent messengers not only to the Arab world because the Quran categorically said that there are so many um, you know so many messengers as Allah says in Surah Nisa uh, there are so many messengers whom we mentioned to you, whether mentioned in the Quran in other ways, and there are so many we never ever mentioned to you. Actually, one of the hadith, there are over 120,000 messengers or prophets that were sent to mankind at different stages in different parts of the world. And every single one of them was sent in a According to the language, as Allah says in the Quran in Surah Nahal, I think Surah Ibrahim, ayah number four, that Okay, that indeed we did not send any messenger except in the language of his people. They can understand them and can be able to articulate them the message that has got, been sent to convey to them. And also another ayah in Surah Nahal, ayah, I think number 36, Allah says in the Quran, that we did send in every ummah, and ummah here means a nation, and that nation is defined by the language and the culture, and the people would understand Otherwise, it would be very difficult for the messenger to be articulated in all different languages. Now, don't say, why didn't he send one in Chinese or in African, in Igbo or in, in, in Urdu and in, 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 in Tamil and uh, Mexican? No, we, we don't know whether Allah sent them, but the mere fact that he chose Arabic as a language should not be an excuse. It should not be an excuse because actually to understand Allah, you don't need Arabic, although Arabic is a big, big, massive platform. Because the signs that lead us to understanding Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are eminent and evident in every single situation, uh, you know, every single situation. And, uh, as the, and that's why when Allah asked the Arabs, he didn't ask them, don't you speak Arabic very well? He said to them, we, who created you? Who made the skies and the heaven and the rain that comes down and be the source of your provisions? They would say, Allah. Who created you, A, B, C, D? Who created this, A, B? They would always say, Allah. It's just a matter of communication. And that message has been articulated in so many languages. So my dear brother and sister, but when we understand again that Arabic is only the language of the people of Jannah, that will also you know, will be something really we have to be proud of and you know, be grateful for, especially as the last message to mankind was revealed in Arabic. But remember, Allah chooses whenever he wants, he chooses from among, among his people, among the nations, whom he wants to be the messenger. So to ask that question the same is, is the same as asking, why did he give, it, give the Torah to Musa and not to Muhammad? Why did he give the Injil to Isa and not to Dawood or to Ibrahim? All these are irrelevant questions. Whether it was revealed to Ibrahim and so on and so forth, the message is there. What came to Adam is what came to us, irrespective of the language, and will continue to learn many languages so they can articulate different languages, inshallah. This will come to the end of today's program. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.